It is great to watch you greet each other and enjoy each other's company. That's a gift from God. Don't ever forget that. God has, has placed amazing people around all of us. And, uh, you know, we need to give thanks to God for all those gifts that he has placed around us. Amen. Well, um, I'm back. <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark, you did a great job. Great message. You know, that's one of the things about God. It doesn't matter who's up here. God is going to feed this church because he loves this church. And it is always, always, uh, when, when uh, I watch the messages, I'm always encouraged, I am strengthened, and I am also challenged, which is supposed to happen all the time, but it was really good. Um, thank you guys for coming today. Thanks for connecting. Uh, before we go to the Word, I want to show you a video. It's from Jason Laws and World Compassion and what you are doing on the other side of the world. And you didn't know you were doing all that, but you are. See, that's the thing about when God is able, uh, when we allow God to use our lives, use our giving, use our talents, use our, our treasures and our gifts, uh, he does so much more. And you may walk into this building, but I'm telling you, you're having an impact all over the world, and that's what God intended. He said, go into all the world and preach. And it's happening. You aren't going there personally, but you're enabling people to go. And did you hear the numbers of people that are being saved in the Muslim nations? You know, we're getting that information from, from a variety of sources that, that God is moving incredibly powerfully and, and widespread salvations in the Muslim nations. Uh, SOS, another organization that we support uh, in missions, 
uh, I was talking to one of the men there, and he was telling me that 500,000 people in the last six months that were Muslim gave their lives to the Lord. That is astounding. <clears throat> but it's what God said. He said in the last days, there's going to be a harvest, a harvest that is unlike any harvest that's ever been, and it's happening. And just because we may look around and not see what we're looking for right around us, know that God's moving. God's doing great things. And he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten your family. He has not forgotten your friends. And he is working in all those areas. So trust him and be expectant to see those family members, those friends that, that haven't given their lives to the Lord come to the Lord because he is moving. Amen? God is so good. Well, we are one week away, and I'm not ready. I am definitely not ready, but, uh, you know, ready or not, here it comes. But there's so much, because Christmas is one of those times that it just seems like, I don't know about you, but for me, the preparation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and I don't know how to stop that. But it's happening, and millions of people are going to be celebrating Christmas. But my question is, for what reason? Why? Why, why are they celebrating Christmas? Because it's a holiday, a national holiday on the calendar? Or is it because they are interested in getting presents or just getting family together? There are a variety of reasons why people celebrate Christmas. But what is the reason for Christmas? That's right, that little phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But when we look below that, which we're going to do today, and see why was Jesus sent? You know, Dave shared that scripture, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so it was, it was because God, who is love, chose to reach out in love and give a gift. And you can give gifts. And there are gifts being given at this time of year to all sorts of people without any love. It is true. Sometimes we give gifts because of obligation. Sometimes we give gifts because there's an expectation. But you can give and I can give without loving, but we can't love without giving. When we love, just as God, who is love, loved the world, he gave, he gave his son. And what was the reason behind giving his son? Because of his love, but also because God longed, God longed, man didn't, God longed for connection back with man. From the time of, of the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned, that connection with God was broken. And up until that point, there was no way for anyone to really connect with God in, in the way God had intended, that there would be an undivided, uh, an inseparable relationship with man. And yet sin had separated us from, from God and still does. And it's not until, like David said, we come to that place where we 
recognize who Jesus is, not just a baby in a manger, but he grew up to be the Savior given for the sins of the world and who raised up from the dead, glorious and victorious, and is seated at the right hand of the Father and took the penalty for our sin and made a way for us to reconnect with God. And today we're going to look at the Christmas story and look at some things that maybe we know but need to be really aware of at this time of the year and every day. But before we do, let's just pray. If you'd bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your love that never fails, that never ends, that never gives up, your love that is constantly towards us. But Father, sometimes we reject it, we dismiss it, we don't allow ourselves to be enveloped and filled by your love. But your word says, as believers, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So today, Father, open our our eyes, plant in our hearts your truth, that we would experience the glorious transformation to live the victorious life that you have for us in this world that's fallen and broken and getting darker. But Father, we thank you that you are arising on your church. Your glory is being revealed in and through your church. And we thank you, Father, for working in us and through us we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So God gave his son, his only begotten son. And in the Gospels, the birth of Jesus is depicted in three of the Gospels. Mark is the only one that doesn't have anything to really say about the birth of Jesus. Luke is the one we usually go to because it has the most extensive uh, description of the birth. Matthew talks about Joseph and how an angel visited him and told him that he was to marry Mary and that Mary was going to have a child that was going to be the Son of God. And John has a very short description, but that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1. And this is, this is not anything that you haven't known or heard before, but it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, and it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is, this is the incarnation of Jesus. This is what happened. Jesus, all God, came into the world and put on an earth suit, put on a human body. And he was all God, but he was also all man. And this is, this is a, a theological term called the hypostatic union just trying to impress. I read that somewhere. Uh, but, but he was all God and all man. And when it says, and the word became flesh, you know, he came into the world to save, to seek and save the lost. And there's a story about a man who uh, had stayed back. It was Christmas Eve. The family went to church. He stayed back because he just didn't, didn't want to go to church. He didn't see the need for church or God or anything like that. And uh, he was sitting by a nice warm fire. 
uh, had a picture window right next to him looking out the window, and it was snowing. It was snowing rather hard. And before he knew it, he, staring at the fire, heard these taps on the window. And he looked and didn't see anybody. And uh, heard him again, and he thought, that, that's a little bizarre. And he went over, and there he saw a group of birds on the windowsill trying to get into where the fire was. And he felt so bad because he thought, you know, these birds are going to perish in this snow and, and the storm. I, I, I've got to get them safe. But how do I do it? And then he thought, I can open the barn door. And if I turn on the light in the barn door, the birds will fly into it. And he went out, opened the barn doors, turned on the lights in the barn, and the birds didn't move. They stayed on the windowsill. So he went over to the windowsill and tried to urge them towards the barn. And they just scattered. And then they regrouped in the snow. And he went over to where they were, and he tried to urge him towards the barn. And they scattered again. And he got very frustrated time and time again, trying to urge them into the barn. And he fell to his knees in the snow. And he said, you know, if I could just be like one of them and lead them in to the barn, they'd be safe. And at that moment, he realized what God had done in bringing his son and having him born of a woman in the flesh to lead us to safety. You know, Jesus gave up so much to step out of heaven, become a man, and come into our world. The message, the message says it in a, in a, a really interesting way. The message tells us the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. But what a neighborhood, huh? What a difference between heaven and what earth was like in that time. Sin was saturating, as it still is, the world. And Jesus walks out. He leaves heaven that is the perfect place. There's no hatred. There's no racism. There's no bigotry. There's no anger. There's no tears. And he comes down into a world that's broken and dark and dangerous and destructive and he comes in as a baby he's got to rely on these people to take care of him but it says he dwelt among us that word dwelt is a very interesting word it means to pitch a tent to pitch a tent he didn't build a castle or a mansion or a lot of things that we would if a very important person was coming into the world. But God did it in an ordinary way. Because our God is an extraordinary God. But God is reaching and working with ordinary people. And Jesus became the combination of the ordinary and extraordinary. He put on flesh just like you and I am. But yet he was still God. But he didn't use his power. He didn't use his rights. He didn't use all the things that were associated with him being God. He did what he did as a man who was trusting God.
Because he said, I came to do the will of my Father. I do everything that pleases him. And we have the same opportunity to do the will of our Father, to do everything that pleases him by the same power that he did it, which is the Holy Spirit. And so we see that he came into the world, but he came in as a baby. He didn't come in as a celebrity. Last week, Debbie and I were in New York. Uh, We were attending a memorial service for one of her cousins and uh, talking with some of the family. One of the family members, uh, another cousin of Debbie's, was in a private security company, and he uh, provided security for many high-profile people, uh, business people, actors, sports people, and he was telling me a story and I, I found it interesting at the moment, but it really, really hit me later when I was going through this um, and just thinking about what, what, what can I use to help people understand. He was the bodyguard, the security guard for a couple that were very high profile in the entertainment industry. And they were about to have a baby. And the newspapers, the tabloids, all the, the media people had put out a bounty of over $100,000 for the first picture of the child. Now, you know that happens. Because everybody was interested. They wanted to see this child of this couple that were so high profile, uh, so uh, looked at because they made movies. Talk about a little bit of an imbalance in what we think is important. And the wife, after she had had the baby, was going out with the nanny and the baby sitting in the back seat, driving her car, and she was cut off by a car to stop her so that the photographers could run up to the side of the car and take pictures. And the nanny was thinking fast enough that she took a cloth and put it over the baby in the car seat. And when that had happened, she got back home and talked to this cousin of, of Debbie's and said, we, we don't know what to do. Our lives are just in turmoil because everybody's after us. And they said, choose somebody that you want to give a picture to. And then when that picture gets published, you take the proceeds and you give it to charity, which they did. But who was seeking out Jesus when he came into the world? Where was the paparazzi? Where was all the accolades? Where was the excitement? Because this wasn't just somebody who made movies. This was the Son of God that came in to save, seek and save the lost, save the world. What was God doing? God in all his love was reaching out to connect. God was looking to reconnect with mankind, which we didn't deserve, but God wanted to do it anyways. And when we think about Christmas, we think about presents, we think about food, we think about preparation and making sure everybody has enough room, and we we think about a lot of things, and we plan for a lot of things. But Christmas time is one of those times that we have a great opportunity, not unlike every day, 
But because people don't think about God that much until they get into a difficult situation and Christmas and Easter, it's an opportunity for us to reach out to people that God so loved that he gave his son. And we can be used by God to help them, just like David said, somebody came to him and told him about Jesus. We can go to people in this time and tell them about Jesus. David said, you know, we can invite them to Christmas Eve service, which is true. But let me give you an understanding of something, which I'm sure you know, but I just want to reiterate it. And that is that if we all invite one person and the people in the second service all invite one person or maybe two people, there are not going to be enough seats for everybody to sit. So my question to you is, what are we going to do? We, we, we can add some more chairs, but what if we have more people than we have chairs? What are we going to do? That's exactly right, stand. You know, one of the things that we need to be ready to do and I am telling you, we need to be ready because God is moving. And God wants to move in great ways. But we need to be ready to be inconvenienced. Get out of our comfort zone. Give up our rights. Because exactly that is what Jesus did when he came to earth. He got out of his comfort zone. He gave up his rights as God. And for what? For all the people that didn't know they had a need, like you and me. And the people that are coming in, they may not know they have a need. But are we willing to give up what we think is ours? I want you to know, most of you sit in the same place each Sunday. Now some of you are like, I knew I should have sat somewhere else this morning. <laughs> well, we're just creatures of habit. But I can tell you that, that we many times kind of stake our claim on things. When I was swimming at the Y, I would go into the Y, and if people, if I got into a lane and started to swim, I invariably would find myself with somebody on the edge of the pool when I would go to make my turn, and I'd see little toes over the edge of the pool. And people would stand there and look at me and glare at me. And I finally had the, the, the sense to stop and say, is there something that I'm doing wrong? Is there something you need? Well, that's my lane. No kidding. It wasn't their lane any more than it was anybody else's in the wise. That's not your seat. That's not your area. Do you know these seats? They belong to, to God. Do you know this building? It belongs to God. Do you know that you belong to God? And we should be willing to give up everything, just like Jesus did, to help somebody else come into the kingdom. That's good theology. That's good practice. 
but it's not comfortable and it's not easy. And so how many of us, how many of us are willing to go out of our way in the next seven days to reach out and connect with somebody we know God loves, that doesn't know God loves them, that we know needs the Lord, but they don't know they need the Lord. They don't know. Christmas is a time of of shopping, of food, of fellowship, of fun, of connecting with family. It's a time of great feasts, but Jesus is pretty low down on the list, if at all. But on our list, he's at the top. And because he is, we should be willing to do what Jesus did. Step away. Step out of our comfort, of what's convenient, of what's normal and familiar, and step into other people's lives with great, great Not to force, but to love them with an everlasting love. And so, in verse verse 10, it tells us why there was no big celebration, no big deal about Jesus. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did what? Did not know him. The New Living Translation says, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. You know, there are a lot of people celebrating Christmas that don't recognize it's all about Jesus. And it's becoming more and more people because other things are becoming more important than Jesus. There was a real move on at one point to, and still is to a degree, to say Happy Holidays or Merry Xmas to push aside Christ, the Christ of Christmas. We can't allow him to be pushed aside in our lives. And so we need to realize, and many of us struggle with, God, I don't know if I can do this. I, I, you know, I'm not like Pastor Gabe. I'm not like Jeremy. I'm not like Mark. I'm not like this one. I'm not like Miss Lynn. I, I, well, I want to tell you, that's good. Because we don't need another Pastor Gabe. We got one. We don't need another Mark or another Lori or another Dave or another Jeff or Bob or Linda or Cheryl. We need you. God needs you. The people of this world need you. And you may, you may struggle. I have struggled this, with this all my life. When I was a little boy, when, when somebody would say, who are you? I would say, I'm just plain Jeff. And a lot of us feel like we're ordinary. That's why there's such a push on social media for people to follow us. So we feel like we're not ordinary. But you know what? You're not. Neither is anyone else completely ordinary because every human being was made in the image of God. Whether they know God or not, God's fingerprint is on them. 
made in the image of God. And yet oftentimes we feel ordinary. But I want to tell you this. Throughout the Bible, God reached out to and used what we would consider ordinary people. And God is still reaching out and using ordinary people because he's an extraordinary God. And he's able to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. If we were superstars, everybody else would be in trouble. But there's only one superstar, and his name is Jesus. And he wants to use you and me. I remember Dennis Sandberg years ago said something that just hit home, and it's just stuck with me, that our God is a supernatural God. And when he does supernatural things, he puts his super on our natural and does things that no one else can do. And that's what God wants to do. And that's what God did with Jesus. He put God and man together. The extraordinary God and the ordinary man and did something no one had ever done or will ever do again. He lived a sinless life and died for the sins of the world. And we're celebrating the birth of that son. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, uh, it, it tells us, Dr. Luke tells us, he, he doesn't use the first chapter just for Jesus' birth. He's talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and John the Baptist that was to be born. John was the forerunner of Jesus. He's making a way for Jesus. He was telling people to repent and prepare for the kingdom of God. And then it talks about Mary, Elizabeth's cousin. And in verse 26, it's talking about in the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. So who does God send this, this angel to? To Mary. And who is Mary? What do we know about Mary from the Bible? Not what you've been hearing from somebody else, but from the Bible. Who were her parents? See, what we know is very little. She was a very common, ordinary person. But God chose her. The extraordinary God chose ordinary Mary to do an amazing thing. It's not different than God choosing us when we feel ordinary to do extraordinary things. But we will see how, how it happened with Mary. And Joseph. We, we know a little bit more about Joseph and his lineage and, and things like that. Um, but Joseph, too, was pretty ordinary. What was Joseph's job? Right, a carpenter. Carpenters were not well paid. Wasn't the top of the pay scale. And as a matter of fact, we find out later on, and, and we're not going to get there today, but later on we find out when Mary and Joseph went to the temple to dedicate Jesus, the offering that they were supposed to give for the dedication of the firstborn male was a lamb. In Leviticus, it tells us that. But if they couldn't afford that, if they were poor, 
they would offer two turtle doves or two pigeons. Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves or two pigeons. It indicates that they weren't wealthy. They weren't standouts. They were people that God saw. And I want you to know God sees you. God sees us all. All the time. And his loving look is on all of us. And his desire is for our lives to be far better than we could ever imagine or dream. To free us from sin and the things that have held us and, and hurt us. And bring us into an abundant life that only comes through tr faith in Jesus Christ. Dropping down, Gabriel told Mary a number of things, but dropping down in verse 30, uh, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, that was very unusual because usually somebody was called a name. A child that was being brought into the world was called by the name of somebody in the family. And they, they departed from this because this is what God had prophesied years before. And so she's, she's being told some things that are astounding, amazing, especially for an ordinary girl, a teenager. But God, who is extraordinary, sends an angel to tell her about what's about to happen. And God, again, is reaching out, reaching out to connect. And he reaches out to Mary. He reaches out to Joseph. So that in reaching out to them, he'll be able to reach the world. God is looking for connection. And you and I who are believers, we have that connection made, but how much do we use it? How much do we really spend time with God, listen to God, or are available to God? Jesus said, I always do those things my Father shows me, tells me, that pleases Him. And we're not Jesus. But God has for us to walk and live in the way he did. And it's always increasing. We're always gaining, going from glory to glory. But he said, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, which is grace, which we're saved by. It's God's empowering presence to cause us to be what he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do. And you'll conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. To which Mary responds in verse 34. She says to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Gabriel is telling Mary how this is going to happen. This is, this is not possible. How can, how can this be? 
And yet God is going to do something that has never been done before and never has been done again with an ordinary Mary because he's just an extraordinary God. Connecting with Mary to connect with the world, to make a provision for everyone. And, and how do you comprehend this? Anybody else here have a challenge when you first heard that Mary was a virgin but she had a baby? I did. I was like, what? That's not possible. But our God is the God that does the impossible. You and I can't wrap our brains, brains around God. We're not going to comprehend and understand everything God does. Don't try. Because if we really did, if God really gave us all the understanding that we needed, our little brains would explode. He's not asked us to understand. That's a really good thing. Because if we had to understand to receive it, most of us would never receive it. Let's just take this example. If you had to understand how your car worked before you could work your car. And that's just a car. We're talking about all creation. We, don't, we aren't told we have to understand we are told we need to believe. There's a whole big difference between understanding and believing. Understanding is a lot more involved. Believing is, okay, I believe, I trust. We're supposed to have childlike faith. How does a child believe? When you tell a child, we're going to go get ice cream, what happens? How, how, how do they respond to, we're going to go get ice cream? They already believe it's done. They already start to celebrate. You know, we need to have childlike faith. When God says it, we believe it, and we celebrate it. And if you and I do that, people are going to start watching us like never before, wondering why. Why do we have such joy? Why do we have such peace? Why do we have such hope, a confident expectation of good? Because we believe. We, frail, flawed, people that have failed, can have faith in a God who has never failed and celebrate that every day because he's looking to connect, connect with us so that we can connect with others. You know, when it says he will be called the Son of God, that is one side of who he was called. Do you know that Jesus called himself a name over 79 times it's recorded in the Gospels? The Son of Man. He was the Son of God and he was the Son of Man at the same time. Because God, who was so extraordinary, wanted to connect with ordinary people and create a union. When we receive Christ as our Lord, God comes to live in our lives. The Holy Spirit, another phenomenal, mind-blowing truth. The God of the universe 
is living in you and me as believers. And nothing can separate us from him. I don't understand it. I just have to believe it. But it's through God reaching out and giving his son who reached out and gave himself for us, who then reached out and the Father and the Son gave us the Holy Spirit. Connection after connection after connection after connection after connection. And that's why Christmas is about connection. It's about connection. It's about connecting to God. And in our connection to God, we start to connect to people and connect them to God. And like I said before, this is one of the times of the year that people begin to think like never before. If they don't usually think about God, they think about him. They think about Jesus being born. They may not understand it. They may have just thought it was a fairy tale, but it's true. Because Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life came into the world. In verse 37 and 38, we hear the angels say to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. God does the impossible. God is an extraordinary God. But God does the impossible because he who is extraordinary connects with the ordinary to produce something exceptional and extraordinary. Then Mary said, and this is an amazing thing. Mary says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary is saying, in essence, I'm the maidservant or handmaiden of the Lord. That was the lowest servant, the most common servant in a household. God, Mary is saying, this is who I am. I am yours. You are extraordinary. I am ordinary, but I'm giving all I am to you. All I am to you. For you to do whatever you choose to do in my life. And she says, let it be to me according to your what? Word. God, I'm taking you at your word. Here's a teenager being told this incredible, amazing truth and promise of what God wants to do. And she says, okay, I'm going to believe you at your word. She connects. God's reached out to her. Now she's reaching back and saying, here I am. I am choosing to connect with you, to connect with your word, to believe. As amazing as it sounds, I don't understand. I don't have any idea what this all entails. Do you think Mary knew what was ahead of her? Absolutely not. But she does this amazing thing. She says, I'm reaching back to you, and I'm going to hold on to what you've said. There's this connection. God's looking to connect with us. God's looking for us to connect with him. And when God connects with us and we choose to connect with him, God can do the extraordinary. 
the supernatural. This isn't just for a certain few. This is for you. Every one of us, if we'll let God connect with us and we'll connect with God, God will, as he promised. Jesus came to give us what? Life and life more abundant, this supernatural life. But we have to connect. Be connected. God reached out. We connect back. And then we believe. And we walk in that belief. And sometimes our head gets in the way. Because we don't understand. Because inquiring minds want to know. But that's where we have the amazing opportunity to choose to believe before we see just like Mary did. Be it done unto me according to your word. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. If we receive Christ in our lives, our lives should be in Christ's hands. And just as God reached out to the world in giving his son, and Mary reached out to God to give God herself, what God was able to do through that was reach out to others. And we're the result of that. We're the product of God reaching man and man reaching back to God or woman reaching back to God. In Luke chapter 2, we, we catch up with what usually is read as the Christmas story. And we're going to look at a few portions of this. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 3, we're going to start there because... We know the beginning talks about how uh, the ruler had said that there was going to be a census taking and it was for taxes. Do you believe that? Taxes all the way back then. Supposedly the two things we can count on are taxes and death. But you know that God uses this census that was going to be used for taxes to a very common thing. Everybody was taxed. But God was using a common thing to do the fulfillment of prophecy, where Jesus was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. But Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth. And God needed to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And he uses taxes. These taxes can't be a God. You know, we say God doesn't, God doesn't do things like that, but God uses things like that. And that's where we need to be very careful. When we start saying, that can't be God. Because God may be using the very thing that you're pointing at that couldn't be God to do something that he has planned to do. We don't know what God's doing. But we know whatever God's doing is good. It doesn't always look like it. It doesn't always feel like it. But it can be counted on to end up good. And so we just have to learn how to trust him. It goes to say in verse 3, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called what? Does anybody know what the word Bethlehem means? Yes. House of bread. 
How appropriate that the city named House of Bread would have the bread of life born in it. Not a coincidence, a God incidence. But God had planned it. And do you know Bethlehem was not an extraordinary city? It was a very ordinary city. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it talks about Bethlehem being one of thousands in Judea. God didn't pick the capital like we would. God picked something ordinary because he was going to do an extraordinary thing there. God picks us. God chooses us. God's reaching out to us who many times feel like we're less than ordinary to do extraordinary things. God takes joy and great pleasure in using the weak, the foolish, and the base. That's what it says. To confound the wise and the powerful. Sometimes we look around and we say, well, you know, I'm not like that person. Wow, they have such charisma. They're so smart. They're so accomplished. They have so much power. You know, many times God just passed by those people to get to the person that was willing to receive his connection and connect back with him and allow him to have his way in their life. Just like every one of us sitting here today. And God wants to use us. God longs to use us to impact the people that he loves. Some are saved, some are not. But all the people we come in contact with, God wants to impact and impart to them his love, his kindness, his care, his goodness, not just at Christmas, but every day. In verse 7, and again, we're jumping through. You guys know this story, and you can go back and read it. It says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them where? In the end. There was no room. If they had known who Mary was going to give birth to, do you think they would have found a room? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we think, you know, we should be prominent. God doesn't do spectacular. We, we, we in the world do spectacular because we don't have the same power that God does. So we try and make a big deal of it. Sensational, dazzling and dramatic. God does some supernatural things, some extraordinary things. But as we'll see, he doesn't do it all the time for masses so that they'll see him. Because God comes just like Jesus did in ordinary flesh. In ways that it can be overlooked unless you're really looking. Jesus was overlooked. Until they recognized that other people were seeing who he was, the Messiah, the Savior. But we should be ones that recognize before we see, we recognize Jesus. 
He is almighty God. He is the extraordinary God that's chosen to live in an ordinary life, yours and mine, to do extraordinary things. We allow God to connect. We connect back, and God does amazing things, but not always that everybody will see. God doesn't want us lifted up. The Bible says if Jesus is lifted up, from the earth, he'll draw all people unto him. And it's talking about the cross, but it's also talking about in our lives. If we'll allow God to get the glory, not us. John said, follow me as I follow, or Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't, don't follow me just to follow me. Follow the Christ you see in me. That's the way we won't lead people astray. Our connection is so tight with God that they're seeing God in us. Just like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If they've seen you, they've seen Jesus. And that is the glory of God. Christ in you is the glory of God. And as we connect with God and let God connect with us, not just at Christmas time, but all the time, the glory of God is being seen. Whether they recognize it or not, they're going to see you. But they're going to know something's different about you. The glory of God is going to be revealed. The kingdom of God is going to be at hand. Jesus was born in an ordinary place. Actually, subordinary. In a barn with animals that nobody else wanted to go to. I'm sure they turned away other people before marrying Joseph. But nobody else would take it. But they said, we need it. And he was born in very humble, humble environment. See, Jesus came into the world as a servant. To serve the Father. To serve his purposes. To serve people. But Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back as a servant. The Bible tells us he's coming back as a conquering king. But you can't conquer until you've submitted. And Jesus was willing to submit to his father's will no matter what. And so Jesus is born, and there's something that, that we know goes on because we know the story. Who hears the news first? Yeah, yeah, the shepherds. And we're going to look at that now in verse 8 through 12. It says, that night, now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, that, that word good tidings, it's, it's a word that uh, means gospel, it means good news, but it is actually the word, and I'll try and pronounce it so you, you, you see what I'm getting at. Euangelizo. Euangelizo. You guys are looking at me funny. I probably didn't pronounce it right. That's why you're looking at me funny. But, but that word 
is what we get the word evangelize from. I bring you good news. This good news, good tidings. This gift to be able to evangelize. See, evangelizing isn't just left up to me and, and uh, you know, those that are on staff that were hired holy people. That's for all of us. That is for absolutely all of us to evangelize. And this is the reason why. I can't reach the people that you know because I don't know them. You may bring them into church and I may be here, I may not be here, but God will be here. But guess what? You don't have to bring them to church to get them saved. Because God doesn't just stay in this church. When this building because this really isn't the church you are and I am. When the church leaves the building, God leaves with the church. And wherever the church goes, God is there. And people can get saved in their front yard, in your kitchen, in a line at Price Chopper, because we're connected to God. God reached out to us and we reached back to God. And now we're reaching out to another person to connect them with God. Sometimes we, we get a little kind of muddled in what we're doing. They get connected to us, and we've got to make sure they get connected to God. Because if they see good in us or they receive good from us, it's only because of God. It's only because of God. Go ahead to the next part, John. Bring you good news of great joy to who? All people. Who is God reaching out to? Christmas time is about God desiring to connect to everyone. If that's what the first Christmas is, is about, why shouldn't every Christmas be about that? us being vessels that help God connect to the people that we know, that he already knows, but we're the bridge. We're the ones that, that because of our connection with God, we can connect with them and help them connect with God. And we are. Whether we realize it or not, everything we do is either bringing people towards God or away from God. He goes on to say, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So they're told this, and they've got a choice. They've got information, but they see God reaching out to them. Very common, lowly people. The shepherds weren't even allowed to testify in court because they didn't think they'd tell the truth. And God reaches out to them. These outcasts, fringe of society, and tells them about the Savior. He's reached out to them. What are they going to do? What are they going to do with that information? Well, we, we, we know. We know what happens. In verse 13 and 14, 
It says, and suddenly there was an a-, a multitude of angels uh, of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. On earth, what? Peace and goodwill towards men. Now, when you think about peace, what do you think about? What comes to mind when you think about peace? Right? Smooth. Calm. All is calm. All is bright. It wasn't bright in the manger. It was dark. It was cold. It was smelly and dirty. We want to sanitize a lot of this stuff. But when we think of peace, we think of nobody having any problems. But I want to tell you something. That in this world, this world is racked with problems. Because sin is running rampant in the world that we live in. And that sin, that first sin, what did it do to Adam's relationship with God? It broke it. What did that sin do to Adam's relationship with Eve? It broke it. What happened with the sons that came from Adam and Eve? What did sin do to them? Divided them. That's what sin does. Sin divides, but God unites. That's why God reached out to reconnect us with him so that we could connect with other people and connect them with him. But it goes on to say, peace on earth. That word peace is a specific word, and it doesn't mean anything near to what we think peace means. This means to set it one again. Glory to God in the highest, who is setting it one again. People with him and among each other. Setting it one again, connecting People with him. And then it says goodwill towards men. When we connect with God, when we're really connected with God, really allowing God to live big in us and us following and tracking with God, having the character and the fruit that God has for us to have, imitators of Jesus, we not only connect with God, we begin to mend and build connection with others. Goodwill. Towards all men. We're at the most divided that we have ever seen the world. It's just ripe for us as believers to reach back to God and really connect with Him and let Him have His way in us, where there would be a setting at one again between us and God and us and others. One of the most difficult things we experience, I'll say me, I heard a lot of people say it, when we went through COVID, was the separation and the isolation. Now, Debbie and I, you know, we were together and we would, we would hug each other and, and talk to each other, but I'm going to tell you something, I love Debbie more than I love any other human being, but I still wanted the connection with other human beings. And we in this world at this time are so divided and the enemy is working so hard. It's why we need not just this Christmas, but we can start here to connect, to reach back and connect with God, to be set at one again, 
and then begin to connect with other people and set, help set them at one again with God. See, Christmas is a lot more than just presents and just gathering together and being in the same room with people and eating food. It's about connection. First, our connection with God, then our connection with others. And finally, in these last three verses, in verse 15, 17, and 20, the story tells us that the angel, the angel choir withdrew to heaven and the shepherds talked of it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed. They reached back. They made a move on what God had given them. God reached out to them. Now they're reaching back. They're running towards God. It is not time to walk. It's time to run towards God. In verse 17, it says, seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angel had said about this child. So they went and they ran and connected with the Son of God, the Son of Man. And, and as they went back, they told everyone. They were doing exactly what the, the angel said. Peace on earth. Set it one again. Good news. Evangelize. Tell everyone. You're now connected with God. In that connection with God, don't you want to connect with other people to connect them with God? You know, when we find a good restaurant, we want to tell our friends, don't we? Man, I ate the best pizza the other day. Really? You can find pizza anywhere in Rome. Yeah, but I ate the best pizza. Where was it? Well, I want to tell you because I want you to experience it because it was the best. When you get the best, don't you want to share that with everybody else? You haven't. The best is Jesus. And if we really know the best that's been given to us, we need, we need to reach out to the people around us and share that best with them. And then in verse 20 it says, the shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. I want you to know, what we read in the Bible is going to turn out exactly the way the Bible tells us. God is not a man that he would lie. And we need to. We need to at this time and every day celebrate. Praise God for his reaching out and connecting with us and us being able to reach out and connect back with him and us being available to now reach out and connect with others to connect them to him. So Christmas, the presents are wonderful. The food is amazing. But the connection is about the heart of Christmas, the loving connection of God to people, like every head bowed, every eye closed. God is extraordinary. God is supernatural. And God is looking for what we consider, although he sees his fingerprints all over you, because you're made in his image and so is everyone else. He is looking to use what others would consider ordinary. 
to do extraordinary things. This morning, I, I, I want to invite, if you've never turned to and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world, has paid the price for everyone's sin. But if we don't receive his payment, we have to make our own, and we can't. But if you're here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you have never turned your life over to the Lord, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to know if there's somebody here that needs to to receive Christ as Lord. And looking around, I don't see any hands, but I will pray with you afterwards if that's something you want to do and you don't want to do it with the rest of us. But right now, for all the rest of us, we need to take a moment to stop and, and just listen to God. Listen to and listen for God. Because He is speaking. He is always there. He cares. And He wants to impart and impact our lives in a real way. And today, I've said a lot of things. But God is the one you need to listen to. And He's said things. And you know to you. But Lord, right now, help us. Help us to recognize what it was that you were saying specifically and individually to each one of us. That, Father, we can take this away with us and adjust our lives to it. Father, maybe it was to help us recognize that the extraordinary supernatural God wants to put his super on our natural and do extraordinary things through people that around us think that we're ordinary. Or maybe, maybe, Father, it was somebody you put on our heart and our mind that we need to reach out to. to connect with or reconnect with, to help connect them to God. Father, I thank you that your word promises us that we as your sheep, Lord, hear your voice. We recognize it and we don't, don't listen to the voice of the stranger. But Father, we want this Christmas to be one of connection our connection with you growing stronger than ever before, more consistent and continuous, and our willingness to make ourselves available to connect with other people, to reach out, to love them on your behalf, to care for them, and to share with them the truth of who this little baby that was born on Christmas Day was. He was the Son of God and the Son of Man and the Savior of the world. And we thank you for saving us. We thank you for your love for us, your life for us, the liberty that you give to us. But Father, help us to use that liberty, that freedom, as a means to serve you and serve others. Connect with you and connect with others. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?